Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Utah Weekly Forum, a public affairs show dedicated to learning more about the issues affecting our lives and health and exploring the resources available in our diverse communities to help. Here's your host, Rebecca Cressman. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. We're going to get to the heart of health. It's Rebecca, and of course I say heart because in February we talk a lot about love, but it's also Healthy Heart Month. So I thought how wonderful it would be for us to be able to check in with Viet Le. He's a cardiac PA with the Intermountain Health Heart and Vascular Program. Viet, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Now, we hear a lot about things like blood pressure and cholesterol, but today we're going to talk about a screening for coronary calcium. So can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So coronary calcium screening uh, really consists of of getting a chest CT, a CAT scan, um, and it's specific to the coronary region or the heart region. Uh, You know, coronary calcium itself Really, it's kind of funny to think, is there really calcium in the heart? And you'd hope not. And in fact, that's what we're hoping for is that there isn't. But coronary calcium arises from micro injury that occurs in the arteries of a heart. And that's what we can see by using a chest CT. So if there's been a small little injury, you say micro. So I'm thinking of a microscope all the way down, teeny weeny. If we see uh, some type of injury in the heart, it then produces like a little bit of calcium? Yeah. So you can kind of think of this, um, you know, folks that have repetitive injury around a muscle. So, uh, you know, for example, uh, if you bruise a certain area, over and over, you will calcify in that hematoma, in that bruise or bleeding that uh, gets encapsulated or surrounded by blood, it will uh, begin to calcify. And so in the arteries themselves, you can kind of think of areas where plaque has already developed. This is the the stuff that we're really worried about uh, in the coronary arteries. But, you know, through micro trauma, little ruptures that may occur in those areas or inflammation around the plaque can uh, cause uh, calcium to develop. And what does that tell you when when you're looking for a coronary calcium score? um, Can you talk about that process? Like how do we get get screened for this? And and what are you looking at as what would be a healthy score? Yeah, great. I mean, it's it's a lot to think about. Uh, Certainly, I think it makes more sense to think about screening in general. And I like to use the analogy of of like going and getting a colonoscopy. You know, what what are you looking for? Well, you're looking for colon cancer, but really that's life lived. So you wouldn't 
screen necessarily a teenager uh, with a colonoscopy. And the same applies here with a coronary calcium scan. Um, we, we don't want to scan folks that are too young, uh, as most likely they haven't developed a lot of plaque to begin with. And, uh, you know, when we're thinking about applying a coronary calcium, who would I, who would I pick? Mm. In general, we think of screening for heart disease, um, early heart disease development in those aged between 40 and 75. So I meet the mark there. Uh, I guess I age. should confess up and say I'm right in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so we're, we're in the we're in the right group, uh, Rebecca. But, um, you know, t- typically or traditionally, we do what's called risk scoring. Um, so it's, it's, you know, instead of looking at disease, we're looking at risk factors for disease. So you calculate, you know, whether someone is uh, how old they are, whether they are male or female, you know, what what ethnicity or race they are. Um, you look at blood pressure and cholesterol. You put this in, in a score and that'll give you uh, or a calculator rather. And it'll give you a score of like what percent risk you might be in terms of developing a, a heart event or stroke event in the next 10 years. Well, here what a coronary calcium does is it looks beyond risk to the actual person else. Not if I have diabetes, if I'm male, but rather have I already developed coronary disease, the the atherosclerosis. So I I, um, will screen individuals within that age range. Women are a little bit later. They're, They're about a decade later in terms of event. So not necessarily in their 40s, but perhaps in their later 50s is when I will screen individuals that don't have disease but are worried. Um, and men, probably 40 is a little too early. But but still, it's something that if someone's uh, worried about, I will also uh, consider screening them. But you send them for a, a chest CT, and it's a very simple, very simple test. Uh, in fact, many of our CT scans are so advanced. Um, they do multi-slice. Uh, which means, uh, you know, within a second, it's spinning around you uh, and captures all sorts of images. So, you know, you send someone in, they sit on that gurney, and it's five seconds. They hold their breath, um, and the image is done. Actually, most of the time is registering for the scan. (laughs) Well, and, you know, I don't want to say it's my favorite scan because (laughs) that'll let you know that I've had a lot of CTs and MRIs in my life. Uh, But the thing about the CT scan is it is so quick. So nice, friendly, you know, uh, radiology team welcomes you. You lay down. They explain it to you. You go in, and then you're out. And 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 it's so quick. Um, and so for those who might have had like an MRI that you know may make you feel a little more, uh, you know, takes longer. Not the CT. Those are quick uh, screen, quick experiences for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. I've I've had an MRI and yeah, as as well and. And usually the uh, what we call the bore, that's that's where they bring you inside the machine itself. Uh, so the hole, I guess, that you're entering in, um, it's much smaller in an MRI. They're, uh, generally speaking, a little bit larger in a CT machine. And, yes, it's so much quicker. Uh, rather than 30 to 40 minutes to do an MRI, it's, you know, these are seconds. Um, 
to maybe a couple of minutes, depending on the scan. Well, we're so lucky to have you. We're, we have about uh, 20 more minutes as we're conversing with Viet Le. He's a cardiac PA with the Intermountain Health Heart and Vascular Program. We're talking about coronary calcium screening scans. And he shared with us that for men, they will start sometimes at the age of 40 through 75, for women starting typically at age 50. And as we talk a little bit more about this, what I wanted to ask you too, Viet, is about the connection between that calcium score and our heart health. Because the reason why we're talking in February about heart health is that heart disease is still the number one risk, um, the one number one killer uh, when it comes yep. to us. And so this is something one in four of Americans need to be aware of. So what is the connection between that coronary calcium score and our overall heart health? Yeah, so, you know, as, as we mentioned at the very beginning, mm-hmm. that calcium score um, is no longer a surrogate of whether you're at risk for an event. Um, when you see that coronary calcium within a chest CT, what you're saying is that you've already developed atherosclerosis. So the plaque that develops inside arteries, um, in this case, coronary atherosclerosis. So it's, it's actually the disease itself um, okay. can be seen with a coronary calcium. Right. And so if we think of I-15, the freeway, and, you know, heavy commute time, and the traffic isn't flowing well, um, that's kind of our, our, I can't pronounce it correctly, arterial, arterial sclerosis? Yeah, so so arterial sclerosis is is almost more of a um, kind of a thickening, uh, okay. also calcification, but atherosclerosis uh, tends to be uh, more regarding plaque okay. in the arteries. All right, so this is real information, and once we get that coronary calcium score, how does that help you as someone who's a healthcare provider take care of patients who might have a, a score that's higher than it should be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for that question. So when we think of coronary calcium scores, certainly, um, you know, when you when you get a score of zero, uh, that basically tells me that the computer can't pick up any calcium, and uh, by visual, I can't see it either. Um, when when we see coronary calcium zero, it doesn't necessarily mean absolutely no plaque whatsoever. It just means that there's no calcified plaque. So there are a small number of individuals, it's about 1% or less, that may still have some soft plaque, even though the calcium score is zero. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. But I think the the better way to think about this is that when we do see coronary calcium in there, that tells us, okay, this individual does have some plaque in their arteries. And depending on that score, it will give us a sense of mild risk, moderate risk, or severe uh, risk or or disease that's already there. Uh, So folks that have coronary calcium scores of greater than 400, um, for example, their risk for an event um, like 
one of those atherosclerotic plaques rupturing or, or causing a heart attack is similar to someone that has had a heart attack. Um, that's that's how it should be viewed is, is that it's now we're seeing disease. We're no longer just predicting, are you at risk for developing disease? You have the disease. And that's not something any of us want to hear, right? Not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in the, on the one hand, um, when we, and this is not to scare folks off because I think for me, what it allows me to do when I see someone that does have coronary calcium and, you know, they have, let's, use that same example of 400. It's not a death sentence. Please, please, please know this. What what it tells us is that we need to get in gear. Uh, we need to work together, and certainly we can reduce the risk of an event now that we know that you've developed disease. You know, I liked your example of looking down I-15 and seeing if there's congestion along the freeway. I mean, this is like saying, hey, there is a one or two vehicle car crash uh, or a vehicle crash along I-15 at, let's, you know, at Intermountain, where we're at 54 South here, and it's right by the exit. So it's, it's like a report ahead of time. Either avoid the area, take a little extra time, and, uh, you know, leave early, et cetera. And so it gives us a chance to say, okay, what, what can we think about? What can we look for? And perhaps um, we may be able to call ahead and um, you know, our, our local uh, peace officers and, and such can help us clear the way um, to make sure that we reduce the risk of congestion or another car accident in that same area. So oh. I think it's helpful. Um, it's like a traffic report, really. Yeah, well, I was going to say, what a great parallel. You're just taking that and continuing it so that we can understand. So uh, you mentioned something. It is scary to get hard news about your health. And so sometimes we want to avoid that. And I guess what I'm hearing from you as a healthcare provider who works day after day, helping people have better heart health and vascular health is getting that information is actually empowering. And it can actually give you information to help us be healthier and feel better. So more info is better than less. Yes, absolutely. I I like what you said there in terms of empowering um, I, I, you know, I think all of us at some point think I need to eat better. I need to perhaps be a bit more physical and be more active. Um, and we think about those things, but sometimes we need that traffic report to tell us that uh, perhaps we need to get out the door a little bit earlier and uh, and or, you know, plan a little bit better uh, as we're going forward. And I think that's that's what this is, is it allows us because we do have um, evidence based um, uh, therapeutics and that includes lifestyle that can reduce our risk um, and make that commute a little bit better <laughs> through life. Well, and, you know, it's interesting, as you're saying, um, you know, playing or or underlying the word empowering, um, you know, we had a very close friend who did not know that he had a lot of plaque in his arteries. And once he found out, that was the motivation for him to make the lifestyle changes. So, you know, we often put our day-to-day exercise and eating healthy kind of over here of a, I wish we should, I should do that, but am I going to? But then when he got the information, that motivated him to make that change. And so do you find that as you're caring for patients that when we get an information like, okay, your score is right around here, that is a motivating factor to finally implement some of those healthy lifestyles? 
It has been. I mean, in my own clinical practice, but but also we uh, we have embarked on a large scale study at Intermountain. I'm I'm one of the investigators on this study. It's called CORCAL, so C O R C A L, and it it looks at exactly this. Does a risk score over actually knowing what your heart scan looks like? Um, it, it, you know. Does that change the way that we uh, listen to or hear uh, advice from mm-hmm. our, our clinicians? And um, personally, in, in my own practice, when we discuss risk scores, it's hard. It's hard to kind of wrap your head around, you know, this, this very distant risk of event. And how do I even know what 7.5% risk for an event in the next 10 years is? It, it, we hear the number, but it doesn't really compute well. But you look at a score, and in fact, it's your own heart scan. Uh, when you see calcium there, then it becomes real. You go, okay, um, I need to make some changes. And that's what we've found is, is folks are, are more willing to, to prioritize their health when they recognize uh, that it isn't as perfect as, as they maybe thought or wanted to hear. Well, and I we have about oh five six minutes with you, uh, still in our interview today. And I wanted to also take advantage first two questions follow up on the CAC, the coronary uh, calcium uh, screening. Do we initiate that? Do we talk to our healthcare provider? How do we number one know when you know whether we should get the screening and and when to get it? Can I let me ask that first? Oh, that's a great question. I I am so for patient empowerment. Um, I think that if it's something you're worried about, um, certainly uh, there are times when when the clinician will say, hey, uh, perhaps you don't need the screening at your current age, you know, let's say you're 20 years old. It wouldn't make sense then. However, if you happen to have a family member that had an event uh, early in life, say your father or mother had a heart attack or stroke in their 40s, that might motivate you and put you at higher risk, actually, to to ask for a coronary calcium scan. And so, um, yes, patients should know that the screening is out there, and and they should feel comfortable discussing it with their clinician. Now, not all... um, you know, medical providers are, are as up-to-date regarding the screening and, and uh, what benefits or risk there could be here uh, with coronary calcium screening. But I think it's, it is something that patients can ask for. And certainly if you're going in for your annual exam and they're asking about, well, you know, cardiovascular risk, your heart risk, then that's the time to bring it up. Um, it's a great segue to say, should I be getting this scan? Okay, and and then so we can make that appointment with our primary health care provider and say that we heard an interview uh, where they're discussing the coronary calcium screening score and and request that, especially if we have had some kind of family history or if we might know our heart, our own heart health risks are high, whether it be from obesity or lack of activity or our age. But go ahead and be assertive. I wondered in the research also, have you been able to see that there is a direct correlation between uh, high calcium scores and the event of a heart heart event? Yes, yes. Oh no, that's a great question, and and really, that's uh, that's what drives us to say that this is a good screening um, because there's data that that goes back to the early, actually, like mid nineties. Uh, although technology then was was a little bit different, uh, we used a different type of scanning. But in the the age of multi detector CT scans, I mean, these are 
uh, much better, quicker, and use a slightly different technology. Um, since about early 2000, there's been a study called MESA, N-E-S-A. It's the multi-ethnic study on atherosclerosis. And what they have found is that it, it's actually quite well correlated that the more coronary calcium uh, that is found in your, your coronary arteries, uh, the more at risk you are. So the question then becomes, uh, you know, if we can identify it, can we do something? Can we impact that risk? And that's part of the question embedded in CoreCal, what we're looking for. But I think most of us uh, believe, just as we've seen it in uh, folks who have had a heart attack, when you apply therapeutics that reduce those risks when you control for risk factors and cholesterol, uh, we see a lowering of events. And it should be uh, assumed to a certain extent that the same would apply here, that when we see coronary calcium, which is atherosclerosis, and you treat it, um, then the risk of events should go down. All right. And since we have just a few more moments with you, I wanted to use your expertise, Viet Le, to give us some of that concrete intervention overall for Heart Health Month as we are starting to think about this invisible muscle inside our body that carries the work of oxygenating, right, and, 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 and uh, pumping that blood through our body. What should we be keeping in mind as healthy interventions to try to help our heart be as healthy as possible? Okay, so there's a lot here, but I would say first, consider going to the American Heart Association to look up life's essential eight. And those eight things really come down to this. Be more active. Whatever you're doing, be more active. If you smoke, quit. If you don't smoke, don't start. Um, get healthy sleep. We're recognizing this is an important part of health. Sleep, get some sleep. Um, manage our weight. We're not telling you that there's a perfect weight. We're saying this is something that comes along with uh, our eating behaviors and activity, but manage that weight. Uh, control cholesterol. Get that blood test. Know what your cholesterol is. There are some folks that genetically have very high cholesterol, and they're at the most risk, um, along with blood tests. So manage your blood sugar. You need to know what that is, and during your annual exam, your clinician will work with you to understand what that blood sugar level is. And manage your blood pressure. You know, periodically when you go to the pharmacy, go ahead and, and step into that machine and, and check it out and see um, what your blood pressure is. We, we really want folks to have blood pressures around 120 over 80 or less. Um, so those are the essential eight. And I'm impressed at your ability to rattle that off so quickly and so astutely. Of course, this is your area of expertise, and we appreciate so much you joining us for Heart Health Month. Uh, this is Viet Le, a cardiac PA with the Intermountain Health Heart and Vascular Programs. Of course, you can read more and learn more about the coronary calcium screening scan, this, your CAC score, online, too, at intermountainhealthcare.org. Viet, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate Utah Weekly Forum is produced by KSFI FM 100.3 in Salt Lake City, a Bonneville International Station. Subscribe to the Utah Weekly Forum podcast online and email us at Rebecca at FM100.com. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. 
The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.